12. And as you do, thank you for praying. Uh, I say this as well with a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I I think I have discovered the two most thankless things in life. And the first is children who have no idea that their moms are up late doing their laundry. And the other would be being on interim board. I think those two are the the thankless uh, jobs. It's really not entirely true, but uh, I do thank you for your prayers uh, for, for us in this season, and uh, I'm in full faith for what God has for our future together, uh, and really being here with you with this weekend is a reminder uh, of that. And some of you, uh, we were together last night, some of you were asking what our transition has been like in Metro now that it's, it's actually been a year. We moved in December 1st. It's hard to believe my wife and I and family have been there a year, and uh, what a joy it is in getting that question to say that really God's grace has been amazing, and He has been so kind. Uh, people that we didn't even know a year ago that have become uh, dear friends in such a short period of time, and that's why it's a joy to have friends like John and Elise here this weekend. They were among the first to just reach out to us and make us feel a part of, uh, of the life of the church and a part of their family, and, and so their being here is an answer to the question how are we doing in Orlando? So, John, Elise, Melissa, and I thank God for you and your family. Well, this morning, we want to together from 1 Corinthians, as you continue in your Tuned into the Spirit series, look specifically at what does it, what does it mean for a local church to pursue in earnest desire the diversity of the gifts of God for the good, for the edification of the church. So the title this morning is Diversity and Desire for the Common Good. Diversity and Desire for the Common Good. I want to read with you not the entire chapter, but verses 1, and then we're going to skip to 4 through 11, and for time, then we'll skip to 27 to 31 of 1 Corinthians 12, and then would you pray with me. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles and second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Would you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here at Lakeview this morning. Lord, for stirring us up in song. Lord, lyrics that draw our attention to you and to your word. So thank you for Matt and the worship team leading us into your presence. And during worship, Lord, thank you for for words of prophecy and impressions and testimonies of healing. Lord, all of these things pointing to you and your glory, but also all of these things revealing again in a fresh way this morning that you love your church. You love your people and you want your people edified and encouraged because you know that until the day your son returns for us, uh, Lord, this pilgrimage, this, this journey, oh God, we need strength and we need grace and we need power. And so you visit us this morning already to remind us you're near and that, Lord, our future inheritance, when we'll have it all in full, it's guaranteed. And so we've tasted some of those deposits today. But now, Lord, I would pray that our expectancy would be no less as we turn to your word. That, Lord, you would, by your spirit, speak to us. Lord, I know for many this is a familiar topic. So our prayer is together that this would not be informational this morning but it would be an encounter with you. And maybe for some, transformational. Oh God, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We know you don't need a welcome and yet we welcome you because our hearts are wide open. And in a particular way, Lord, rattle our bones this morning. Awaken us. To whatever degree we're awake, awaken us more. If we need awaken, do that. Whatever we need, we pray you'd stir us and move in our midst today for your glory and for the common good of Lakeview Christian Center. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Diversity and desire for the common good. Want to... Even as the title suggests, just look together with you from 1 Corinthians at the diversity of God's gifts and why that diversity exists. Perhaps more importantly, our desire, stirring up our desire, fanning into flame our desire to see the diversity of gifts in operation within Lakeview Christian Center for for two reasons, for the glory of God and for the common good of one another. Some ways I, I feel like this message doesn't even need preached, shared, because we encountered this message in worship, amen? I think we experienced edification. And even, even through just a few, be it testimonies, impressions, or prophecies, the many were ministered to, amen? And that is the nature of the gifts of God and why, why this is a topic, as we were discussing even last night, that we can't revisit too frequently. We, we can't spend too much time on this crucial aspect of our faith. And I say that, I say that out of a personal conviction of what I even just prayed for, and that, that is this. Friends, there is a day coming, and Lord, hasten the day, but there is a day coming where we will need no prophecies. We will not pray for healing. 
We, we will not need dry bones stirred up afresh. There is a day coming where none of that will be necessary. That's the day the Lord Jesus returns. But until that day, God has in his kindness, in his great love for us, given of his spirit to fill us and move among us so that we, if you will, keep our eyes on that day. It's like deposits from our future now. Reminders to keep our eyes on that future day. But you know, until that day, we do get tired. We do grow weary. We can be distracted. We get sick. So many things happen that can almost seem to cause us to forget we are really a part of a new kingdom, even though we're still pilgrimaging for a little while here. This is a beautiful building, but this is not home. This is not home. In fact, you even have built into your building a reminder that we're not yet home. You know, your tile line, right? Reminding you of where the floodwaters once were. This isn't our home. But until we get home, in the love of God, before you or I were ever born, he determined he'd, he'd send his spirit so we could keep our eyes on our future. But we linger now, and so he's given us his word, and he's given us this amazing picture in 1 Corinthians 12, and, and really, um, not only amazing picture, but amazing in the context of the letter. A church that, that definitely embraced the gifts of the Spirit, but a church that was misusing those gifts really, really bad. There's my theological exegesis this morning. In the church in Corinth, they were using the gifts really, really bad. And yet, the heart of God, he didn't decide, you know what, that's it. Because churches misuse and even abuse gifts, we're not going to have them anymore. No, he does correct, he adjusts, and sets the stage for where we ought to be this morning. In the church, God has given a diversity of gifts, and in the church, God wants his people marked with a desire, an eager desire, an expectant desire, a sincere desire, that that full diversity finds expression for the common good. So let's look at the diversity of gifts. The reason we want to look at it is the reason Paul said, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, verse 1, I do not want you to be uninformed. And then he begins in verses 4 through 11 to, to describe the diversity of the gifts. And this is not the only gift list. I'm not going to turn to other gift lists this morning. But to suffice it to say, I, I don't think this list is here and the other ones in Ephesians and Romans. I don't think they're there to say this is all of the gifts. But rather to get at that diversity, the inexhaustibility of God in caring for his people. And so there, there are a variety of gifts. Variety. Many kinds of gifts, and he's describing them. But if you look, the point in verses 411 is not to list each gift, but rather to, to show how this variety of gifts all come from God, the same Spirit, all empowered, verse 11 says, by one and the same Spirit who also does the apportioning or the distributing of gifts to each one individually as 
he wills. Each one. You know what that means at Lakeview Christian Center? It means this. Every single member of this church is gifted by God. Every member. Every single one. Probably with more than one gift. Various gifts. Gifts in number. Gifts in degree. Paul is wanting the Corinthians to understand there's not only a variety, but those varieties are dispensed to all. Now, why was that important in Corinth? Because you, you had some elitism going on around the gifts. You had a segment of the church acting as though they had the gifts. The rest of you don't, and so listen to us. No, not so. Every single child of God is given a manifestation, verse 7 says, of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. A manifestation of all kinds from 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians. All these different gifts described have one overarching goal, and that is the common good or the edification of the church, the encouragement of the church. That's why they exist. There's varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities, but all of it coming from God with that in view. These all exist for the church to be built up and strengthened. I'm pretty sure our brother, Peter, is grateful to God this morning for the gifts of the Spirit, specifically for the gift of healing and, and prophecy and the gift of faith, by the way, because prophecy was shared about a physical need and then a group of brothers and sisters gathered around and laid hands so the gift of faith the gift of prophecy and the gift of healing were all working for one common goal the edification of a brother the strengthening of a brother God is so kind friends many gifts many areas think about it think of Think of the goodness of God in this. There, there are many gifts because there are many areas in which ministry is needed in the lives of God's people. God's people have diverse needs. And so our God is good and loving and faithful to distribute gifts so that all of those diverse needs can be met. God is so good. He gives these gifts. He is the source of these gifts. That apparently was another need in Corinth. Um, some of these individuals with gifts seem to forget how they got the gift or who was the author of that gift. They were not the authors of those gifts. They didn't manufacture those gifts. They didn't wake up and decide, I think I will be a prophet I think I will speak in tongues. I think I will heal people. No. God makes those determinations. God is the one who apportions variety of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. The gifts, the call to use them, the power for use them, all come sovereignly and graciously from God. 
The gifts may be diverse, but the source is not diverse. Amen? The source is God alone. Some in Corinth had forgotten that. Some in Corinth had forgotten the grace of God in that. Some in Corinth had forgotten the sovereignty of God in that. That that it is God who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Um, I had a it was a wonderful gathering a couple years back where we were, we were spending the day talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, an individual came after, and, and it, it, was, it was a wonderful, a wonderful capturing, if you will, of the fullness of what God teaches on this. They came, and they wanted prayer, and they just said this, I want the gift of prophecy but I know it's God who gives it. So is it okay to pray for it? (laughs) I thought, what a beautiful depiction of all that Scripture teaches about this. It's right that you want the gift of prophecy because we're, we're told to desire the gift of prophecy, and it's also right that you recognize I can't just pray for you to get the gift of prophecy. I can't just say, okay, here it is. It, it doesn't work like that, but we can. We can go to the one who does give the gift of prophecy, and we can ask him to give that gift. Your desire's right, and your recognition that the one who gives it is also right. And so we prayed. As it is, verse 18 says, I didn't read it, of chapter 12, it says, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And the point of that being that God, God distributes, he arranges the members, and he also distributes gifts among the members as he chooses in a way that he sees fit. So that's the source. That's the diversity of the gifts. But really where I want to spend our time is on the purpose of the gifts and why we ought to be eager in our desire. And, uh, and that, is, that is my prayer throughout this whole message, that wherever we are in our desire, we'd have more of it by the time we're done. Maybe you're really someone who does desire. Well, have you exhausted your ability to desire more? I don't think so. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum where, you know what, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, sure. I'm not sure I'm looking for gifts. Well, we pray that change. And you'd understand why from God's word. Here's why, verse seven again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Do you see that relationship to each for the common? To each for the common. In other words, gifts are not given as a spiritual badge of honor or maturity. Have you ever thought that, that maybe, maybe that individual, maybe they have the gifts they have because they must be more mature? Well, if that's true, that doesn't explain Corinth. Not at all. Because one thing they were lacking was maturity. They were very immature. It's astonishing that God even allowed them to keep having the gifts. But we should be astonished at what God keeps allowing in our lives too, shouldn't we? Gifts aren't distributed as evidence that, oh, they they must have arrived at a certain level. You almost like, you know, once you proceed through certain levels of maturity, you'll, you'll get this. And by the way, How many of you are under 20 in the room right now? 
you know who you are because you're like, <laughs> you're, you know, you're still in that cool phase. You know, can I put my hand up? How many of you are 20? Throw your hand up in the air really high because I'm old and can't see well. Thank you. Listen, I don't know how many of you under 20 have prophesied, have spoken in tongues, have prayed for healing, have had words of knowledge. I do know this, though. You can. You don't have to wait. This isn't for your parents. Okay? This, 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 you, you, don't, you don't have to reach 25 and, oh, that's when it starts to work. I say this to you, my under 20 friends, because I want you to get a vision yourselves. You need to own this. You, you need a conviction. God, you have this for me. I mean, seriously, do you not think there are times you're among your peers where they need edified and encouraged in a way that only the Spirit of God can do? They absolutely do. Do you not think that when you gather in your meetings that are for your, your generation that, that God's desire is that he would pour himself out? So I want to encourage you. Please, please don't hear this message or tune it out as, well, I guess he's talking to my parents. I'm talking to you. More importantly, the Spirit of God is talking to you. Don't, don't put this off. Don't wait. This is for you and now. God intends the entire church be encouraged and strengthened, and he wants you to be a part of that. Each is given for the common good. That is, that is the purpose. That is God's stated reason why we ought to be a church marked with a fervent desire for the gifts of the Spirit, that the common good would take place here. The gifts aren't about me or about you. It's about everybody. And Lord, do you want me to play a particular part in the edification of the common good? See, the gifts are, are an expression of God's ministry among his people and through his people for care to his people. You noticed how God seems to delight to work in the world? Through whom? Us, people. I'm pretty certain 100% of prophecies I've heard have come through people. I'm pretty sure of that. I'm pretty sure every time I've been prayed for for healing, it's been by people. Ordinary people. Common people. Don't have it all together yet, people. Sinned last week, people, or this morning. <laughs> We've got this treasure in jars of clay, friends, this gospel ministry. At our best, we're some pretty unpolished vessels, aren't we? God's been using them generation after generation after generation for the common good. This is God's heart. As each person exercises the gifts God's given them, the body is built up. And that is gospel ministry at its simplest, and I would add, at its finest. And so we ought to be earnest, friends. There ought to be an earnest desire 
for the gifts of the Spirit in operation in this church, there ought to be an earnest desire for me personally to be used by God with the gifts of the Spirit for the common good in this church. Desire is a funny word. You know, think about it. Earnestly desire. It's like, well, Paul, why did you need to say that? Why do you, why, why do you need to caveat desire with earnest? I mean, isn't desire desire? I think he knows something about us. We can, we can say we desire something, but our practice or our, our actual outworking of that desire doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't seem to match. I say this, but, but how do I evidence this? And so he wants, he wants there to not merely be sort of this assent, you know, so let's think of it this way. Hey, Lakeview Christian Center, would you like to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation here? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. What? I think what he's getting at is Lakeview Christian Center. Do we grasp that this is the way in the church age that the presence of God comes near? And not only is the church encouraged, but there will be those who aren't even in Jesus Christ yet, who might even be here this morning, who will testify, surely God is in this place. So, do you desire the gifts of the Spirit at work here? That ought to be amen. Amen. Oh, God, make it so. I want to be earnest about this. Assenting is not what God's after. Earnest. Earnest in our desire. And, and that earnestness, I love how J. Rodman Williams says it in his book, Renewal Theology. I just, he captures my heart. He says this, such a precious gift or the gifts of the Holy Spirit will not be given indiscriminately to seekers and non-seekers alike, but to those who earnestly desire it. Now, God is not a reluctant or grudging giver who must be badgered into giving his favors. And the point he's making there is that's not what earnestness is about. Earnestness is not about trying to overcome a reluctant God. No, no. He says the persistence in earnest prayer that is called for, it's not to overcome his unwillingness, but rather to demonstrate the wholeheartedness of those asking and thus to prepare the way for these gifts to be received. I love that. That, that captures it for me, that this, this earnestness, it's not because God is reluctant, but because that's what he calls for. And, and it's rooted in this. The way Paul ended that in verse 31, he said, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Well, the more excellent way is chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, isn't it? Love. So what's the point? The reason every single member of this church ought to be marked with an earnest desire for a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit is not for the sake of personal recognition, not for a badge to place on. You know, I remember being in Boy Scouts. You get these different badges when you'd accomplish things. Hey, there's prophecy, God healing. God... No. The reason is something this simple. If I, if I put it in a prayer. Lord, thank you for making me a part of Lakeview Christian Center. Thank you for joining me together with brothers and sisters in Christ. 
I love these saints, Lord. Would you equip me with gifts to express my love and for your love to be received through me? Lord, make love my motive. Make love my motive. Lord, because I love Lakeview, I do pray for prophecy. I I pray for this gift. But Lord, whatever gift you want to give is fine by me. If you want someone else to have that gift or a different proportion of that gift and you want me to have a different, that's okay. I just want my brothers and sisters edified. So please, do this. That's to be our motive. That's why this earnestness is called for. That's why, although it's most commonly used at weddings, it's why 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched where it is between the teaching on gifts in chapter 12 and the teaching on gifts in chapter 14. It's right in the middle because love is the hinge. Love is the everything related to the gifts. God's love for us and our love for one another. In fact, Paul, he would come back to this. Look, just look at how this goes. In verse 31 of chapter 12, he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way, okay? And then there's chapter 13, and look at how verse 14, or excuse me, chapter 14, verse 1 begins. He said, verse 31 of chapter 12, I'll show you the more excellent way. Chapter 13 is the excellent way, which is love, and then here's 14, verse 1. Pursue love, and look at what a pursuit of love does, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Do you see that? This is vital. This is it. This is what it's about. This is what is to mark I desire. I I demonstrate that I'm pursuing love by being earnest in my desire for the gifts and especially that I would prophesy. Now, listen, if you're someone who's been reluctant about prophecy, uh, and, and, and I just want to say, I recognize in a room this size, probably some of us have come from places where, like in Corinth, you've seen these gifts abused. And, and I regret if that's your experience. But listen, don't let that experience trump or usurp the Word of God. Instead of arriving at a posture of because I've seen it abused, I'm going to avoid it, how about the posture of, Lord, show me the more excellent way. And thank you for putting me in a church marked by people who want the excellent way. And so, Lord, take away my reluctancy for these things and birth a desire and an earnestness for these things. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Rodman Williams, again, he comments on this call for earnest desire. I I love how he says it. In other words, none of us are off the hook on this. Listen to what he says. Seek earnestly the better gifts for the edification of the church is not a polite invitation. It is an imperative. Do you get what he's saying? Seek earnestly, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. He's saying that's not a polite invitation. It's it's an imperative. In other words, it is a command. And he says, at the individual level, my stock answer is admittedly not always helpful. We need to hunger and thirst for openness. For some, this puts too much emphasis on the human rather than the divine side, and and I fear that. 
But my own experience, and here's his point, my own experience in the church is that there is a clear correlation between our hunger after God on the one hand and our experience of God on the other. This does not remove the experience of the Spirit of God from God's own sovereignty, nor does it imply that the one hungering and thirsting does not already have the Spirit in full measure. I just simply know of no other practical solution. What's he saying? He's saying this. Listen, we're not supposed to be a people on the fence about earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts because it's not a polite invitation. It's not choose from the following, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts or earnestly desire this or earnestly desire that. It's no, for every child of God, earnestly desire the gifts. Why? Because he's saying, and I think he's right, in the church, I think it's true, there is a clear correlation between our hunger for God and experience of God. There's a clear correlation in a church that is eager for the gifts and a church experiencing the gifts. Let me just say it this way. I've never been to a church where the gifts are in full operation and ask them, so do you guys desire the gifts? No, not really. God just keeps, to seep over, he just keeps on overriding us. <laughs> I mean, he could, he's sovereign, but that, that's not his general way. As we desire, he's blessing. He's pouring out. And I agree with what Rodman Williams says. To some, that may sound like, boy, that, that seems to put a lot of emphasis on our desire. Listen, they're not in competition. It's not either we desire or God does. As we cooperate with his desire, God manifests his presence. I love that this morning. What you wouldn't have known, at least from two individuals who shared this morning, they shared with us their their, their fear, their, their worry, that sense of, I've never done this. But you know what? Love for you prevailed. Lord, I want this church edified. So, Spirit of God, overcome my fear. Overcome my worry. Overcome my thoughts about what if my words stumble? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? All that matters right now is I want your church edified. Was anyone encouraged through any one of those words or testimonies this morning? Amen. Amen. What's the point? What's the point? That's love. Aren't you glad those individuals, instead of staying in their seats saying, I can't overcome, aren't you glad they did by the Spirit of God? It's a demonstration of their love for you, for this church, and it glorifies God. May that mark all of our hearts. May that lead us to be a church, friends, that asks for the gifts of God. Not only are we not discouraged from pursuing the spiritual gifts in Scripture, we're exhorted to pursue the spiritual gifts in Scripture, all of us together, but as we've been looking at, with the right motive, the motive of love, the motive of seeing others ministered to, motive marked by God, you be glorified each gift 
Each gift used earlier this morning, that, that, that I think was the effect. God was glorified. We were served in love. And we were edified. Love makes all the difference. Wayne Grudem said about love and the gifts. He said, if spiritual gifts are sought only so that that person may be more prominent or have more influence or power, that is wrong in God's eyes. It is a fearful thing to want spiritual gifts or prominence only for our own glory, not for the glory of God and for the help of others. Therefore, those who seek spiritual gifts must first ask if they're seeking them out of love for others and a concern to be able to minister to their needs. Because those who have great spiritual gifts but have not love are nothing in God's sight. Friends, there is no prominence that comes from the gifts. There is no prominence. That would be a sad motivation. There ought not be more influence in the church. You know, there ought, there ought not be more influence assigned to a few who seem to use this or that gift. Because again, that, that would be wrong. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean what Paul was getting at, portion I didn't read yet in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 19. There, there ought not be more prominence assigned. Here's why. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? This is why there ought not be any sense of prominence assigned to certain giftings. As if that gift could say to every other gift, I have no need of you. That would be foolish. Back at Metro, this, this was brought home powerfully in our family meeting that we just had last Wednesday night. Varieties of gifts, right? Not every single one listed. If you recall in the Old Testament, some of the spiritual gifts described there were the ability to play instruments, the ability to weave fabric together when the temple was being made. The, the, the guys, the people who worked with gold, all of these were considered gifts. And we know that, right? Any, any skill any of we, us have, any job you go to tomorrow, however you're gifted, you're gifted by God, right? That's not yours. God is the author of all intelligence. God is the author of all ability to reason and think. And so whatever it is, it's from God. Well, this past Wednesday night, we, we heard from our administrator uh, just, just a phenomenal story. Um, there's a brother in the church. He has gifts. In a particular way, he has construction gifts. And he's been walking around Metro, and just like you, we have these tiles. And he's looking at some of these tiles. This is months ago. And he's seeing staining and things on these tiles. And he's thinking, you know, this just seems disproportionate. Um, you expect that occasionally, but this, this, this seems scattered and all over. So he went to the church administrator. He said, listen, I got some time this week. What if you and I go up on the roof? I, I just, I'd like to look around. Up they go. 
and he's looking at this roof, and he realizes, you know, this, this isn't just wear and tear. This was not done right. He was discerning that. He's looking at, this wasn't done right. This is a problem, and it's going to get worse. I mean, we're running out of buckets is kind of where it's going in some of the offices. Well, fast forward. This Wednesday night, Chip Chu, the administrator, shared with the church that we received a check for the entire $500,000 repair from the insurance company. So that Metro Life Church, in a time of serious need, will not have to spend one penny, not even on one of those tiles being replaced in the ceiling, because that brother, using his gift, discerned this, this is, no, this isn't just, you know, a storm, this or that. No, this was not done right from the beginning, and we need to make this right. Listen, friends, for any gifts I've ever used, I've never saved anybody $500,000. Amen? I never have. Are my gifts more prominent than my brother's? Not at all. Not at all. Because of our brother's gift in operation, we're going to have a dry roof to stand under to hear prophecies. (laughs) We're going to have a place to be that in the kindness of God... is stronger because a brother used his gifts. Here's the point. In the church, let's beware of the poor me mentality. Now, maybe you don't have that mentality, but it can exist in places. And it's that idea, maybe we get those ideas. You know, my gifts don't seem to be this or that. No, no. A body is comprised of many parts. Many parts. Every single part needed. My family and I were, we took a few days away recently. We're at a hotel and they had a basketball court. And uh, I challenged my son and a, and, a, and a guy he met, a friend he met there at the hotel to a game. Well, we had been in the pool, had flip-flops, didn't have sneakers. And uh, I decided I'd play without the flip-flops on, be a little easier. And uh, this, this kid we met, he, he came down on my pinky toe. I mean, it's like got to be like the smallest body parts. It, it's just not even recognizable, you know, to, I mean, compared to the head and the arms and everything else, it's just there. But, oh my goodness, can I tell you how important a pinky toe is? <laughs> I mean, ever since, I'm like, this is a, I mean, my whole equilibrium is thrown off by this tiny little thing. Let's not have a poor me mentality. Every single Part is needed. I mean, just simple things. Looking around your building, the first thing I noticed last night walking in is some of your your, your Christmas decor. Friends, these things are gifts. Now you may be thinking, well, what in the world? You know, it it communicates a lot. It communicates creativity and artistry and excellence. I mean, you could have put up some really cheesy decorations, but you didn't. And you probably figured out that there's probably some people more gifted with that in the church than Keith, right? Not many, but, but yeah. 
Whoever did the decorating, can I tell you, I was blessed just in seeing it. I really was. Who are you? Who are you? You're going to acknowledge yourself? You know who you are. Thank you. Seriously, I took pictures. I did. They're in my phone because when I get back to Metro, like, you know, I was inspired. I think we can do a little more. We need to be aware of the poor me mentality. We need to be aware of the elitist mentality. Verses 20 through 26, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And he said seem to be weaker. He's talking to fleshly people. They're not weaker. They seem weaker to some. They're not. They are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we, not God, we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Because if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You notice that in your body? You know, my toe, now it's better now, but I, I, I wasn't talking this way. I would have like worried people if they'd heard me talking this way. Toe hurts. What do you mean toe hurts? Well, toe hurts. None of the rest of me hurts, just the toe. How do you know the toe hurts if it's not connected to the rest of you? We don't talk that way, do we? We say, my toe hurts. The whole me is hurting because this one part is hurting. We don't disconnect our body parts as if, well, my toe can hurt, but in in absolute separation from the rest of me. No, my whole body hurt jogging after my toe got hurt, not just the toe, because they're connected, vitally connected. And that's how it's to be with the gifts in the church. So... Are you earnest? You ask it another way. Are you satisfied? Listen, I pray the effect of worship and what was taking place during worship this morning. In fact, I pray against this effect. That was satisfying. I think I can go two months. Hopefully, we could say it this way. Oh, God, that was satisfying. So satisfying, we cry out for more. We cry out for more of that, Lord. More of your presence expressed in a variety of ways. We don't limit it to one gift or the other. We just ask you for more, Lord. That was so encouraging. How could we but not help long for more? How's that more going to happen? Through who? All of you, not a few, all, all of you, not just on Sunday mornings, in your times together in homes during the week, on the phone, in prayer, so many contexts for this to take place. If we long for more of this, then it's going to mean openness, alertness, expectancy, For God, 
to so fill this church with his gifts and the variety of them and a variety of people using them that anyone who comes in this place could testify the Spirit of God is in that house. And it's diverse. It's diverse. It comes through in so many ways. I want to close in a moment. And I want to pray. And we just want to, we want to ask God to come near. But I, I do want to pray in a particular way uh, for some individuals. And, and maybe we could, we could uh, pray for these individuals specifically. Matt, if you and the worship team want to return. But I want to say something even, even beforehand. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe the Spirit of God has put something on your heart in a particular way for the church this morning. I encourage you to come to one of your pastors to share that as we go into worship. Sometimes prophecy kind of gets assigned to the beginning of a meeting. You know what I mean? It'd really be okay if it came at the end too. Let's stand together. Just for some this morning, I believe the word that perhaps has described you, maybe not always, but certainly of late, and we had an opportunity, some of us, to pray about this last night, but there's far more of us here this morning. The, The word for you would be reluctant. Reluctant. That reluctance could be because of a past experience. That reluctance could be uncertainty over, Lord, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I even understand how I would know if you've gifted me in a particular way, but whatever the reason is, re- reluctant would describe you. And here's how you know you're reluctant. Earnest prayer, you would humbly say, doesn't describe me, at least not in this area. I, I have not been earnest I don't know that I have, I don't know that I've really considered the relationship between an earnest desire and that being a primary expression of my love for Lakeview. And I do love Lakeview. With all my heart, I love Lakeview. God, why haven't I seen that? Or why has it been some time? I have been reluctant. Listen, we want to be the body for the body right now. So here's what I want to ask for. If that would describe you, and you might be under 20, if that would describe you, re- reluctant, for whatever the reason, could you raise your hand? And if there's someone near you with their hand up, let's be the body right now. And let's come around them and let's pray together. I'm going to lead us, but let's pray. Put your hand up high so those around you can see it. Lord, I've been reluctant and I don't want to remain reluctant. Let's pray for these individuals. Lord, what what they're asking for and what we want to pray for is not merely 
to go from reluctant to open. Lord, if there's like a scale and it's reluctant to open to kind of desiring to more desire to eager desire, Lord, we pray you'd remove that scale and it would go from reluctant to earnest, fervent desire. And Lord, you would stir up gifts in these individuals. That reluctance would be gone and the gifts that you want to apportion to them would be made known and used, and used soon. Lord, even as we prayed together last night for these individuals, Lord, maybe they've never stepped out in a gift, or maybe it's been years or months. We, we pray, Lord, within, within this calendar month, in very clear ways, you would use them. It could be here in the church on Sunday. It could be in one of the covenant groups during the week. Lord, however you choose, stir them up. Holy Spirit, Give them gifts. Lord, as well, we pray if there be any reluctance to prophesy that you would remove that too. And, and, and now for the whole church, Lord, for every heart here, we'd say, you know, I do want gifts, but I'm more comfortable with, with the non-public gifts. Does that describe anybody? I want gifts, but really, really, I'd rather not be public. Let's pray for you. You see a hand up, let's pray for them. Lord, Lord, there were individuals this morning that they came forward and they publicly shared, but they confessed before that that there was fear, there was uncomfortability, but Lord, their love for their brothers and sisters was greater. It won. So let love win right now, Lord, in these hearts. Then Lord, Maybe I will stumble. Maybe I'll mispronounce a word. Maybe, maybe this, maybe that. It doesn't matter. I love my brothers and sisters. And if you are so desirous to use me, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Use me as you choose. As you so will. We heard a testimony earlier about healing. One of the things I love about James 5, if this is okay, Keith, in James 5, we read the following. Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone among you suffering? That's pretty wide open, isn't it? In other words, praise God when he brings words for healing for specific people, like happened for Peter. But we don't have to wait for a word, a specific word, because we have the word. So here's the specificity. Is anyone among you sick? If you're sick, you're in the specific group of anyone, right? Is any among you suffering? Well, if you're suffering, guess what? You have received a specific word from God this morning. And here's the call. Let them pray and anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. If this is okay, Keith. What I want to ask for is if there are any sick 
or suffering. And let me add this. Oh, my goodness. We're so humble sometimes we miss it. Um, we go, we go, are you like me at times? Well, I don't, well, sick, I mean, that's, that's a big word. I mean, what is sick? I mean, I know my brother and si- they're sick. I'm, I, I have, th- could we stop that? Really? Could we? Suffering? Well, I mean, what is suffering? I, I mean, because, you know, my, could, could we stop that? Could, could we? Nod your heads, at least fool me. We can, good, good. If you're sick or suffering, please come forward and let us pray. And let me add one more thing to that. Maybe there is a particular manifestation of the gift of faith in your heart where you're not suffering or sick, but there's a desire to pray for those who are suffering or sick. So don't let this be a a pastor prayer show. You know what I mean? Um, You come too. Let's be the body together. So I'm sure Matt will have a suffering, sick prayer song as we all come to do that. But could I just, could I pray and then let, let, let's just respond. Lord, Lord, you don't, you don't need polished words. So together we pray. Would you come, Lord? Holy Spirit, you were, you were so kind and good in the beginning of the meeting and through the meeting, I think, and, and that's just your heart. Of course you're good. You're good all the time. Would you be good to the sick and suffering now? Would you stir up the gift of faith in some new people to come and pray for the sick and suffering now? And oh God, for your glory and yes, for the strengthening of our faith, would there be testimony after testimony after testimony? of your healing hand. We ask based on your promise, you're the one who said, if any sick, if any are suffering, let them pray. Come Holy Spirit. try and broaden the work of the Spirit into the folks who are still in seats. Last night we met with the leaders of the church. Aaron had a word for couples who had drifted apart. And I just use this as an example. If, if couples can drift apart, couples who stood at an altar and said, my life is committed to you for the rest of my life, can drift apart, and in their drifting apart, the expressions of love, the activity of expressing love begins to diminish, kind of get to be strangers a little bit to each other. If that can happen in a marriage, what do you think that can look like in a church? As we get busy and we get distracted, to step out in gifts is uncomfortable and it needs strong motivation. It needs compelling love. That was the context of gifts. And so I think for some here, as you just, your eyes are open and you're looking around right now, you need to get back in touch with how much do you love the people in this building? How 
How much do their lives affect your life to where you are eager to do anything in your power? You are earnest to step into their world and see a difference. And I think every, every week we could have an altar call for lives that are too busy. Aren't we just all too busy? Too busy in our marriages, too busy in our families, too busy in our church. But we can preach a series on the move of the Spirit of God and on the effects of the Spirit of God and on the gifts of the Spirit of God. But if, if you and I have lost touch with what motivates us to have this subject matter, we're not going very far. So I just want you to consider, how much do you love the people in this room? How desperate are you for them, for what's going on in their life, for what you might be aware of what they are suffering, for the difficulty of the season that continues in their life right now? See, when, when that begins to matter to you in an incredible way, you'll do incredible things. You'll do awkward things. You will sacrifice so for some here this morning, as we take time to minister to these, for some, I think the move of the Spirit awaits a heart that is 1 Corinthians 13. It's desperate to love people. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe before you're going to say, hey, yeah, Aaron, I want to come for, I'm ready to be embarrassed. I'm ready to, I'm ready to do something so awkward I've never done it before. Just give me whatever i got to have. I don't think any of us will do that until we desperately love people. And so can I just begin asking for some of us just to tune into that? Just ask the Holy Spirit to begin to show. So whether you're praying for these up here or just standing back before Matt begins to lead us, can we just bow our heads for a moment and invite the Spirit of God to motivate us? Lord, please examine how eager the motivation to love one another is in our midst as we are gathered. These gifts, Lord, they are elaborate tools in the kingdom of God to be taken up by people who desperately love each other. And Lord, maybe that's where we need to begin. Lord, we, we want to see a move of your spirit and we want to see the gifts functioning but, Lord, it needs to overflow out of a heart that's loving one another. So, Spirit of God, would you make us aware for whatever reason, probably not for villainous reasons, not because we're hostile to each other, but, Lord, just because we're sometimes just busy and when we just need things to fall in place quickly, we don't have time for a person's need. We, we don't want to go across the room there. We might be wrong, be embarrassed. But, Lord, if we love one another, there's room for that stuff. Lord, if we're going to be the people you've called us to be together, the church of God that blows the mind of the world, it's going to be because we love each other desperately. So Lord, kindle in our hearts a love for your church that would motivate us to receive gifts and to use gifts and to step out in faith in gifts. God, do that work. Lord, from one side of this building to another, from front to back, Lord, awaken hearts of love. Lord, remind us of what 1 Corinthians 13 sounds like. But it's in the context of the gifts of the Spirit being operative in our lives as a church. So, Father, we ask for you, awaken love for one another. Awaken us, God.